Pine Tar Podcast, an episode I've long promised. Uh, my buddy, my one tie to the big leagues, as I like to say, Dave Franco, mental skills coach of the Texas Rangers, joins us today. Um, I've known this guy, gosh, man, I think since we were about 10, same birthday as him. So it's always easy to uh, think of him every year on my special day and shoot him a text. But um, he won the World Series, obviously, this past year. Um, one of the best guys I know, uh, and, and, you know, that obviously trumps what I'm about to say, but one of the best baseball guys I know, and it's always kind of been that way. Um, you know, growing up, uh, played a lot of games with him. Uh, he played usually, he played shortstop always, and I usually would play left field. And, um, he, he's perfect for the role he's in because he always did have such a great mental approach, even at an age where, you know, like I couldn't harness that, you know, I was, I was still in a lot of different directions and, um, you know, very few people are mature, uh, on the inside and the out, you know, at the age that he was. So he was always a lot of fun to play with and a lot of fun to watch and just very methodical, always had a good system, but always a really good dude, always loved to laugh. So, um, he's uh, super easy to talk to. I hope our combo sounds that way. Um, I just tried to ask him some things that I think, you know, if anybody had a buddy that worked in the big leagues, they would be able to just shoot him any question that they want and, you know, things that you guys would really want to hear about. So uh, I'll stop blabbering now. This is my conversation with Dave Franco, Texas Rangers, mental skills coach, and 2023 World Series champion. Walk right into it. Um, got my boy Dave Franco on here of the Texas Rangers. He's he's my one true tie to the big leagues. I've I've known him for what seems like forever. What's going on, man? What's up, Clint? How are you, man? Good, buddy. This is nice. Two two high school teammates just getting together, talking uh, talking. Oh, this is fun. I mean, I was in Vegas when when you guys won the World Series. I was like a proud papa. I was like, when those Rangers win tonight, I was like, my my buddy's gonna get a ring. I mean, I was <laughs> I was beaming. Um, yeah, dude, tell us about that. Like right off the jump, I mean, what's it like being a, a part of a world champion? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty surreal. Um, you know, I was with the the Mariners for five years, and um, we got close, but didn't get to the playoffs. And this is my second year with Texas, and so in my seventh year in pro ball, just going to the playoffs was a big deal. Um, and and then the ride just didn't stop, and it was it was unbelievable. But being out in Arizona for Game Five, winning uh, the World Series with a uh, ton of Rangers uh, coworkers and um, celebrating into the wee hours of the night was pretty, pretty freaking special. Yeah. So like, take us through a day in the life. I know like with Seattle, you, you told me what you got, what you did with the guys a lot. I mean, is it, is your role pretty similar to Seattle where you're still doing a lot of the, the mental skills approach stuff or do you, you wearing a lot of hats? Um, so I'm the, mental skills coordinator for the rangers so kind of get to oversee the department um and this year my main responsibility was working with the big league team um i still did plenty of stuff on the scouting side and um and 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 dipped in with our minor league affiliates throughout the year 
um, just to keep a pulse on everyone. But um, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible job. Just help our our players and staff maximize their potential and how we deal with failure, how we deal with success, um, putting routines into into play and just helping guys be more consistent. Because at the end, at the end of the day, everyone's talented at um, in professional baseball. It all comes down to who can be the most consistent, um, perform their best in the biggest moments. Unbelievable, man. I mean, that's just uh, – that's got me beaming too, just to kind of hear what you do on a daily basis. So, like, yeah, it seemed like when I check in with you this year, you were spending a lot of time with the big club. So, are you doing less with the the minor leaguers now and you were, you're really focused on just working with the major league guys all year? This, this past year um... – Yes, that was uh, I was with the big league team um, a little less than half the year um, and then uh, bouncing around to the other spots. And, um, and like I said, helping the scouting department do some some pre-draft interviews, which I know you're you're aware of. Um, but I think one of the cool parts of my job with the Rangers is, you know, I still get to throw VP and, you know, long toss with pitchers when they need it and um you know flip in the cage and and do plenty of baseball stuff that i very much enjoy um and it's just a unique unique opportunity that i have with the rangers and was pretty cool throwing vp in a few big league stadiums this year yeah i mean you're a mental skills coach like you're way past like it's not even worth me asking if you've gotten the yips like (laughs) you ever have a bad day out there um I haven't had a knock on wood. I haven't had a, <laughs> a bad day throwing BP. Every once in a while, uh, you know, a couple, a couple will will get away from you, but um, you just got to get right back in there, man. Dude, you're throwing big league BP in big league stadiums now. I can't, I can't even believe it. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that since the last time we talked. I mean, I know you were you were um, teaming up with some pretty big time major leaguers like in Nashville in the off season, but uh, you're actually getting the guys ready like before the game, huh? Yeah. Them some... Wow. Yeah. Not every day, but um, you know, it's the, the staff up, you know, the big league staff yeah. in, in Texas is amazing. And um, you know, it was, it was cool getting to spend more time with them and, and having them, you know, trust me to help out when, when, whenever it was needed. And um yeah, it was pretty cool. Your shoulder's still feeling good? I mean, <laughs> last time I threw a pop-up, um, I was like, I ended up on the ground, and I feel like my <laughs> my shoulder came out of its socket. I mean, so Wait, seriously? Your, your shoulder it, came it, out of its socket? For, for a couple seconds it did. It went back in, and I, like, I was able to get up. But, dude, I mean, I just as you know, we, we just turned 41, same birthday. Like, yes, so did. your shoulders, your, your ligaments are obviously – just tip-top shape, right? I mean, the shoulders uh, holding up. The shoulders holding up. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. There's some. There's some uh-huh. days where it doesn't feel great. You got to grind through it a little bit. But if the mental guy can't get through some arm soreness, then we got <laughs> we got problems. Yeah, I'm just glad one of us is, is still intact. So, dude, I ran in. <laughs> I ran into your boss. Uh, you probably remember this when I sent you a picture of Bochi. Yep. Um. You know, he's sitting there in just normal coach travel with me. Um. And I asked him where he got his peanuts, and I'm like, "Hey, my buddy works for you. So tell us." Um, you're like, "I haven't even met Bochi yet. Like, tell us what what's uh, Bochi like? Because like, I I'm a huge fan. I thought going into the playoffs, like, I'm like, he's he's always won with kind of lesser rosters. I'm like, he's never had 
this at his disposal? Like he's going to go through like a hot knife through butter. I mean, <laughs> what's what's it like getting to to work with him on a regular basis? Man, uh, Bochi's a legend. Um, I was yeah. just with him last night with a few of a few other um, Rangers people. Um, everything that you hear the players say about him in the media is true. He is the most consistent, um, like down to earth individual. He cares about people, um, and then just is an absolute you know, baseball genius mind that's been around the game, obviously in so many uh, capacities for, for so long. But I think just his, he just has a calming presence at all times and he doesn't get too high or too low. And I think the team just kind of followed his lead throughout the season and, and into the playoffs and were able to, to truly just kind of be themselves. And I think a lot of that came from, just a culture that Boach built very quickly and just how consistent he was on a daily basis throughout the year. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then, like, how often, I mean, like, tell, get, tell us what Seeger's like. I mean, like, you're you're walking down the hall, like, you see Seeger on an everyday basis. I mean, I think that's, that's hard for most people to get their heads around. I, I don't know if I could actually handle that, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, I'd be like, Corey, you want to go get some cereal or something? Like, what What do you do? Like, what's he like? Um, so, first off, I'll just say, like, there, there are certain, you know, I, I'm working with a handful of players on the team um, at the big league level. It's it's kind of like a, I'm there if you need me. Mm-hmm. Um being available to the guys. So it's, it's not like Seager sitting down in my office every day and we're, you know, we're, we're talking through his pregame routine, but he is one of the most consistent dialed in individuals I've ever been around. And it's different, man. Like his routines are different than anything that I've ever seen in baseball, but he knows what works for him. And you just cannot argue with the, with the performance and his ability to just be that guy every single day that he's in the lineup is it's just unbelievable. Like, and even, even hearing the other players talk about him at times, like they're, they're in awe of just how talented, how, um, you know, consistent, how driven he is on a daily basis. So it's been, it's been cool to be around him a little bit and um, super impressive watching him perform. Yeah, I think like one of the things I've always sensed about him when I watch him, I mean, back to his Dodgers days, like, you know, obviously when you get to the big leagues, you, you, a lot of those guys are pretty mentally uh, intact, but he's always struck me as a guy that just like slow heartbeat. Like, that's mm-hmm. always what's, would you say that like he's kind of mastered that as well as, as pretty much anybody at that level that you've seen? No doubt. And, uh, yeah. and I think, you know, one of the best, test for the slow heartbeat is how how guys perform in the postseason right yeah. he, he has a track record of of uh performing at a very high level and he continued that this um this postseason so i i think what we saw from him night in night out during the season you continue to see from him in the postseason and um yeah his ability to just be in the moment slow the game down is uh elite yeah i always kind of thought it's weird i always thought he would be like kind of like a Derek Jeter for the Dodgers. And obviously they let him go, and now he's kind of carving that out. He's 
the only guy that's won two World Series MVPs, I think, other than Jeter. Um, so I wanted to put you on the spot and be like, give us a Rangers story that maybe like somebody hasn't heard about this year. It's hard to probably just pick one out if you think of something. If you think of something that comes to mind that was like a, a funny moment, like let us know. But I know one night you you sent me a picture when uh, you were in the dugout in Houston, and I know you guys are are really friendly with them. And the bench is cleared. I just wanted to know. <laughs> I saw you out there. I saw the replay. You know why didn't you go over and grab Jordan Alvarez first? <laughs> I was about to, and then Chapman Chapman came in, and so I thought I'd I thought I'd just go ahead and let him let him take care of the rest of the team. <laughs> so, like, how often are you when I'm turning these Rangers games on each night? Are you in the dugout kind of most of the time, or it just kind of depends on probably, if probably yeah. about a I, I wasn't in the dugout um, down the stretch into the playoffs, but uh, for most of the regular season, I was probably in the dugout for a third a third of the games. Um, maybe a little bit more than that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable opportunity and just, you know, one of those things, I mean, you, you and I grew up together, so, you know, dreaming about playing professional baseball and, you know, my, my playing dream ended after college and you kind of just dismiss that and finally at the, Ripe old age of 40, being able to be in a big league dugout for a big league game was pretty, pretty special um, for me personally and um, was just a really neat, like, professional accomplishment. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, once again, I don't even think you like, and I'm sure you're kind of weathered to it a little bit. I mean, it's your job. Like I don't think I'd even know how to like really behave in one. You know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> I you could drop me in a in a big league dugout now, and um, I think I would just be a, a little bit too excited. Um, by the way, <laughs> dude, I had no idea. I don't know. Like I feel like you've lived a million lives. I had no idea until I was on your page a couple weeks ago. You played MLS soccer. Like you were on the alternate team. Is that is that that's true? Is that um. True? It was it was at the time it was the league right below the MLS. Uh, it was called the A League, and they had a team in Miami, Florida. That um, yeah, I was on the reserve team for uh, part of a season. Man, that's yeah. I saw that and I'm like, I knew everything on there, but except that, it's like I'd probably be I, I would be dropping that a, a lot more than you know. Obviously, <laughs> you never even brought that up. Um, so. You worked with Chapman. Did you work with Chapman at all? Um, I mean, I was around him. Did not did not work with him. He probably has his own um, mental ways, right? I mean, he's uh, he's he's a bird of a different feather. But man, what a uh, what a move that was! So, um, when you guys were heading into the playoffs, uh, it, it felt like like the team dipped a little bit. Did you sense like the guys' confidence faltered at all right before October started? Because I remember texting you, I, I think right before you played the Rays in Tampa, and I'm like, dude, I I, I think the Rangers are going to win it all. And I mean, it, it, I guess from your side of things, like I, I'm guessing you guys knew going in that like you had as good of a team as anybody, right? Um, it's funny. It's funny. For the record, you were all on the Rangers the entire time. <laughs> Uh, well before they went on their playoff run. Yeah. Um, and I think 
the team was so streaky at different points throughout the season. Um, I think everyone knew if we could just get hot at the right time, uh, we could do something pretty, pretty special. And, um, you know, it wasn't ideal not, you know, losing the division, so to speak, um, on the last game of the season and having to fly, you know, across the country to, to Tampa. But, you know, what I was saying earlier about how impressive that group of players and coaches is of just being consistent and, um, you know, showing up and preparing like they need to and just going out and being professional baseball players at a high level, um, you know, getting that first win, I think helped getting the second win and winning that wild card series. And, and then they just started rattling off, off W's. And, you know, when you're able to do what they did on the road in the postseason, I think it just speaks a lot to a group of guys that are just really good at blocking out the noise, taking care of what's important to them and just going out and, and playing. Um, how much do you keep in touch with, you know, your, your Seattle crew and like, how good does it feel to kind of move <laughs> on? And, you know, you guys played them that last series of the season, things were kind of neck and neck You guys emerged. I mean, is there a little part of you that's like, you know, kind of, kind of feels good about that? I mean, yeah, How's that trying all? to get me in, get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I'm st- kidding. Who, I, no, I have a lot of, I have a lot of good friends still over there. Yeah. That I'm in touch with. Um, it, you know, I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel a little extra special uh, clinching a playoff spot in Seattle. This year. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but you got me yeah, watching the Mariners. I mean, I, I will say to this day, um, you know, I'm still kind of like a fan of how they do things. Like, I think between you and Julio, and I know they just traded our boy Kellenic, but um, you know, I still watch them on a, on a pretty daily basis and kind of in a weird way root for them and whatever wacky trade Depoto is going to make next. But yeah, I remember <laughs> that last series. I was like, oh, it must feel pretty good. Um, so Scherzer, um, kind of an interesting guy. Like, you know, I feel like he's like, what's it like being around him? Um, you know, min- minimal interactions, but um, I mean, the dude's intense. And I think that's, <laughs> that's what makes him good. Um, and I think that he's just the type of presence that elevates everything around him. And, um, you know, I think even for him to, to grind back and, um, you know, after getting kind of banged up down the stretch and to make it back in the postseason and, you know, really just give everything that he had was, was really impressive. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, He's a extremely intense individual who, uh, you know, knows what he needs to do to be successful, similar to the mold of Seeger we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to be around him a little bit. And this could be uh, probably classified, but I mean, who, who's a guy that like, who would you say your, your closest buddy is like that that's on the team or, you know, who's somebody that you've worked with quite a bit, like, or that you really enjoy being around? I've never gotten to ask you that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that classified, all right, all right. but it's, it, the, the mental performance stuff is a, is a unique, um, it's still there, bud. 
Wait, sorry about hey, that. Hey, dude. So no, you're, sorry. You were saying the mental performance. Yeah, the mental performance side is unique where, you know, without a level of confidentiality, especially at the big league level, mm-hmm. um, it's just really hard to build, you know, to build trust with the with the guys. And so, um, you know, I value that a lot. And obviously, like, there were – um, you know, there were a handful of guys that I was pretty close with and, and worked a lot with this year. And, um, but if I start broadcasting that just even not on the podcast, but just in general, or even yes. talking to other people, um, you can lose that trust pretty quick. So, um, a lot of the work is in the shadows, but I really enjoy, um, my job a lot. I mean, you're sitting on a coaching staff with Mike Maddox. You know how bad I've always wanted to do that. I mean, so is that like is he kind of like the Russ Mead of uh, of the, the Rangers? Is that is that fair? Shout out to Russ Mead, uh, one of one of my favorite coaches of all time that I've been around and you've been around. Um, yeah, Russ is awesome. Uh, Mike, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a vet. He's been around. He's seen it all. Um, he is uh, he's a lot of fun. So. Um, and obviously you can't, you can't argue with his track record. I mean, wherever he goes, he's in the playoffs and, um, I think he's a, he's an avid golfer. I will tell this story like at, at one point during the year, there was an off day and, uh, the Rangers had a charity golf outing or something along those lines. And, and of course he goes hole in one on the whatever special hole and wins a check for like 20 grand or something crazy like that. Uh, so everyone's talking about, Hey, what you do in your off day? And he had a pretty, pretty cool story to share. Just a specimen, just another day in his life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, um, you said that you might go over to the winter meetings. You live in Nashville. Like what's, uh, what do you do there? When you, like, I think a lot of people, you know, guys show up there and kind of be like a, a, a sore thumb on the wall. Um, but you can actually show up and like, there's people that, you know, I mean, are you going to just kind of go over there and shoot the breeze or what's it look like for you? Um, so I have uh, mental performance meetings all day on Thursday where pretty much all the mental performance coordinators around MLB get together uh, for a day meeting. So that's kind of cool to get the lay of the land and, and connect with some of those people, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and then we, we've been doing some Rangers dinners this week and um, some different, uh, different activities. So they, they pretty much, you know, the team has a, a war room set up in one of the suites over there. Um, I'll probably swing by at some point just to say hi, but, um, they got a lot of people kind of talking through free agency and kind of mapping out, um, you know, certain aspects of, of what they want next season to look like. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of fun having everyone in one place and even more fun, uh, being World Series champs, walking around with everyone <laughs> congratulating you and all that kind of stuff. So, listen, yeah, yeah, dude, it just gets me jacked thinking about you guys. I mean, you got a war room at the winter meetings. I mean, wow. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty sweet. Um, in terms of, you used to do a lot of stuff down in like the Dominican. Um, are you mm-hmm. still doing any of that? Yeah, I was just there a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm super passionate about our our Latin players and their unique path that all of them have to take to get to the big leagues. And so I'm probably down in our Dominican Academy, uh, 
four to six times a year, usually what it works out to. Um, but yeah, I think all for those year people that don't know, all, all 30 teams have their own academy in the Dominican where guys are pretty much there close to year round uh, training and, and then they have a season, uh, pretty much a, a half season every uh, it starts in the summer and ends in, in August. And um, yeah, so we have Rangers actually have two teams in the Dominicans. So we got a lot of players down there and then some of our other Latin uh, players that are in full season affiliates uh, throughout the year will go there and train in, uh, in January as well. So um yeah, I, I love it over there, and 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 love hanging with that that crop of our players. That's sweet. So, what did you think of all the um, the rule changes this year? The bigger bases, and and like, what's are you allowed to say where you kind of stand with all that? Or sure, I mean, yeah, it's you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like I'm more of a baseball purist. Yes, every, I knew it. Every I knew it. Every time, every time these things come out, I'm like come on like really i don't know if that's necessary and then uh and then experiencing them i i didn't hate it uh, any of them right. like the, i'm with you I, i'm with you i uh the bases are fine like if they're gonna say it's, it's safer for the players like great like no big deal um that worked out great and then the pitch clock was the one that i that mm-hmm. i personally was like oh man yeah, it makes your like, job harder man you got you gotta have guys griping you about that right um dude way less than you would think it yeah. was you know so i i got to see it play out um in the minor leagues last year okay. um and so i was pretty it, it was a it was a much more smooth transition for our minor league players than i thought and but then i'm like oh but the big league guys they're so set in their routines and their ways and it's going to be really hard and for a handful of them um you know it might have been challenging for a little bit but man that it really was not as big of a adjustment as i was thinking it was going to be and i don't know man the games the games flow and i don't hate it i i the only thing is and i know they talked about in the postseason like making it longer so there you know or or some different things like i, I would hate to see a game be uh you know, mm-hmm. won or lost based off a of pitch clock violation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish there was some sort of like stopgap in the ninth inning or something where where they could, you know, keep that from even being a possibility. But man, it's I, I'm I'm for all of them. <laughs> and uh, I know probably where you're going to sit on this, but they're kicking around, you know, throwing in robot umpires all together. I imagine you're probably with me on that. You hope that that we can hang on to our our human home plate umpires as long as possible. Yes, that is, dude. That is my that is my feel. Like I, I know people are up in arms at times when umpires blow calls, but I think the human element yes. of the game has always been a huge part of it. And I think I don't know. I just think you lose something when you when you completely take that take that away. Um, in our our triple a team this year had a fairly unique um like kind of an interesting schedule so they're they're playing uh six game series every single week and the first three games of the series would be 
robot umpires where they're calling balls and strikes and then the like the umpire has a earpiece and the you know, robots telling him what it is and he calls balls or strikes based off of that and then um they call it the abs system and then for the last three games of the series umpire is calling the game normal but each team has three challenges that they can do and similar football if you right. if you challenge and you're correct you get to retain your challenge if you challenge and you're wrong you lose your challenge and only the hitter and the and the pitcher are the one or the catcher are the ones that are able to challenge and that was kind of cool is they they would put it up on the scoreboard if someone would would challenge and it's kind of like you know, picture the tennis uh, review where you see the tennis ball land near the line pretty much the same same deal up on the scoreboard and the fans would kind of get into it and so that that was kind of an interesting twist and and I think if they do go to some version of this I personally would like to see the challenge system as opposed to just straight robo robo um yeah, that is kind of makes my head hurt, but I'm sure it's smoother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's smoother when uh, you know you go through it like you do. I mean, so don't you think that most players at the big league level kind of sit where we sit? Like maybe seventy percent of them, they, they just kind of want it to stay where it's at. Or do you think that they're just like they they could care less whether it's robot, whether it's a human umpire? They know they've got a job to do, and they're not even thinking about that. Um. That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not sure where. I don't feel like I could speak for the majority, but I will say that in the minor leagues when they were trying this out, the hitters liked it a lot more than the pitchers. Okay, that makes sense. So I think something similar would play out uh, if it gets if it gets to the big leagues. But pitchers felt like. Pitches have been called strikes since the beginning of time were no longer strikes. Um, hitters were able to, especially the ones that control the zone well, really able to like lock in and and uh, cut down on a lot of chase just because you have that safety net of if you know the strike zone well, you know that that pitch that's two inches off that uh, you know when the umpire or when the catcher set up away and you hit the hit the glove two inches off the plate. Right. Uh, that's always been a strike, and now they don't have to worry about that anymore. So it's an interesting interesting setup. And if it does go to that in the big leagues, then I think it just makes the stuff that much more important mm-hmm. for, for pitchers. Yeah, cool, man. And, uh, like, I wrap this up usually with a couple of different questions. One of them is I always want to know, you know, we hear too much of, like, you know, baseball's, not doing this or that, right? Like what's one thing you think it could do as a sport to, you know, make it more popular? Like what would you change about it if you were Rob Manfred? Hmm. You ever thought about Man, that? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I love the game so much. Me I too. I get, I get so frustrated when historically, when like playoff baseball is happening and you go into a sports bar and you got like SMU versus North Texas <laughs> right. Thursday night college football. And it's like, wait a second. Like where, where are the baseball playoff games? Like, Oh, right, play, right. I didn't know this. Like that stuff drives me crazy. Um, I, I think, I don't know, man. 
it's tough. I think that, yeah, it is. And I think like baseball in some degree, you're always going to have fans, but it's getting passed up by some of the other sports, just pure fandom and, and people following. But I don't know, man, maybe there's some cooler ways to connect with, with the fans. Um, I, I do think the, the pitch clock uh, speeding up games mm-hmm. that I, I, I do think that might help more of the casual fans, like go to more baseball games when you know you're committing to, you know, two to two and a half hours uh, as opposed to three, three and a half, four. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, uh, it's a lot better. Like, I mean, we took my kids to a game in April and it seemed like it flew by to me. I'm like, I felt like I was barely there, but it's a lot easier when you have, you know, two little kids and it's like, seemed like between innings was like 30 seconds. I mean, it was really (laughs) quick, man. And Uh they didn't have time to run the kiss cam, but it's, it's better for kids. (laughs) So uh, I've kind of adopted this from the old next level ball player days. The Franco question used to be, who's a good guy you think I could talk to next? Who do you think would be a good guy for me to have on to talk to next? Is there anybody you can think of that would be just a good, gives a good baseball talk? Not to put you on the Um, spot. Yeah. I. Or you can always think about that and get back to me. But if there's anybody that jumps out to mind. Yeah. No, I'm going to go one of my favorite agents in the game. Oh uh, my Gary, goodness, Gary Love Russo. What, what's he do? Um, like, who's he? Gary. Gary's an agent with the Bledsoe Agency. Um, they're based out of Nashville. Great group of guys. I've gotten to know them over the years. They 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 do it right. The players they represent are not just good players, but like legit human beings. They have. I kind of they're especially their hitting setup in the off season for all their guys. Um, is is next level with the the energy the focus the high level training using all the tech uh you know it, it's it's pretty cool what they what they do and um hunter bledsoe the the you know him and his brother um run the uh started the agency but dustin's his brother uh, both those guys are are really impressive but hunter got multiple shout outs on mlb network this year from some of their players um you know, talking about Brandon Lau, Lau and um, Brent Rooker, uh, Jake Berger. Uh, they have plenty of other guys, but um, that's a that's a really neat group over there. They do some cool stuff. Gary's one of my best friends for a while. He played baseball at Miami of Ohio. Uh, wow, was in the college home run derby back in his glory days, and um, has done a lot of cool stuff in the game. And uh, he'd be a a very very fun talk. Nice, man. And you still, um, I, I know uh, in the early days, I, I know you don't have an agent or anything, but I know in the early days, like Ned Coletti would help you out with stuff. You talked to Ned at all lately? Um, I talked to him, I think, last spring training. Um, What's he up to these days? He's, he's retired, right? Yeah, he was, um, he was a professor at Pepperdine for a while. And then I believe he's going to teach at a college in europe for a little bit so he is uh he's doing his uh, he's a man of many the trades, next, like next hockey, stage yes very hockey talented was picking his brain one, one day i, yeah. I think hockey well, no was, like, he was to... he was fully scouting for one of the teams not too long ago 
in the in, in NHL. We're doing something like involved. Yeah, he is a man of many talents. He's a very um, he he's always been really good to me, and I, I've really really enjoyed um, that friendship over the years. But yeah, he's a very talented individual. Yeah, eclectic, eclectic guy for sure. Yeah, so I mean, um, always I've always had a fascination with scouts. I'm always bugging you, like give me a scout to talk to. Um, once a guy gets to be my age, is it pretty much hopeless for him becoming a scouter? Like, you know, like, could you go to Bochi and say, Hey man, I got this guy in Ohio. Like he might bird dog for us for some high school <laughs> game. Like, how does it, how does it happen? Like, you know, how is it pretty, is it as hard to become a scout as it is a big leaguer pretty much or a minor league ball player? That's a, that's an interesting question. I, I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't, I think it's, uh, I, I don't think the barriers to entry on the scouting side are as extreme as you probably um, are making them out to be right now. But it's also I not think as a lot of it, I think, as I as I make it out to be. Like after talking to him, I mean, it is it's a lot of really hard work. And like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize, are... you know, like I, I'm asking this guy that I talked to, one of your colleagues. You know, um, I think I asked him, how many big leaguers have you signed? And he kind of started laughing. He's like, well, I actually haven't had my first big leaguer yet. And then I thought – I never thought of it in that scope, you know, where you could go eight or ten years and, like, you finally get your first big leaguer that reaches the big Mm -hmm. leagues, you know. And it's like I've never thought of it that way, you know. And it's like you you get lost in this train of thought thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to find 25 big leaguers. But it's not like that, you know, so – Dude, I, I have so much respect for our scouts, and um, I really enjoyed being around the Rangers scouting group. Um, Kip Fag is the scouting director for the Rangers and just unbelievable leader, but also just super fun to work with. And, um, man, being around those guys, like, they, they grind year-round. They're, you know, they have the best travel stories of getting stranded in, in you know, snow outs and uh cars breaking down and you know crazy stories all these back you know little small back towns and stuff but that's the thing man you can grind on on your entire region and you have players that you turned in that you love and are fully all on board with and someone else takes them you know and then they're big leaguers for somebody else and you can go entire drafts with not having any of your players get signed yeah I think one of the things I love about scouts is like they they seem like for a guy like me like they're they're the guys that are like it's just best to like pick their brain about stuff you know and it just it just fascinates me the stuff that they do you know in their everyday profession um I don't know it just seems I like love, they're like the I best guy to, to those guys man. right you get it you get what I'm saying so no man it's it's uh it's been great talking with you um I can't wait to hear how this listens back and i I'm so super proud of you and and you know you deserve um everything that you've like when I think about your story um I still think of a cold winter's night when you called me up and told me kind of what you wanted to do and it all began and you know you got a world series ring coming your way like dreams really do come through uh and, and come true so it's uh like I couldn't be more proud of you and um yeah, dude. Like maybe you can come back on the uh, come back on the pod next year and enlighten us a little bit. Would love it. Would love right. it. I appreciate that, man. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been cool having someone in 
in the sports world as well. I remember before I even got back into it, listen, driving through Cincinnati and hearing you on ESPN radio. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? That's wild, huh? That was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Small world. But yeah, dude, I'm, cool. I'm really proud of you. And uh, I'll definitely be bugging you here when you're around the uh, your roots. And we'll, we'll see if we can get together, okay? Sounds great. Right, Appreciate buddy. it, man. Thanks Much for having blessings. me on, man. Good Take catching care. up. You too. See you, brother.